0: Mothering can be one of the most joyous, yet overwhelming and exhausting experiences in a woman's life. But there's one thing I know for certain, when we own our stories, we heal. And when we lovingly hold space for another mama's journey, we receive one of the greatest gifts of this life, knowing we are not alone. In this real, honest, and vulnerable conversation with mamas just like you and me, let's laugh and cry together As we lose ourselves and find our way through this wild ride called motherhood. Welcome to the Mama Love Podcast. Hello, beautiful mama, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Mama Love Podcast. I'm your host, Rochelle Henry, and I'm so grateful you found your way here today. Now, before we dive into our very juicy content on mom shaming and how to weather our most intense emotional storms, I'd like to take a moment and share with you why I was inspired and compelled to create the Mama Love podcast. When my eldest son Jacob was born back in 2014, I was reborn as a mama. Of course, his arrival in our lives was no surprise, but we had no idea how having a child born with immediate medical and ongoing special needs would turn our lives upside down in the best possible way. Now, as I bumble my way through this parenting journey, I realize just how isolating, overwhelming and exhausting mothering can be, how utterly delicious, necessary and inconsistent sleep is, how easy it is to lose our sense of self as we take on this enormous role of caring for another human life and how much relief can be found in one simple phrase uttered by a mama who has been there. You are not alone. Through all the ups and downs, connecting with other mamas and hearing their stories is the one thing that has offered me the greatest solace, inspiration, and the feeling that I am indeed not alone in the universe. All this to say, I created the Mama Love Podcast to create connection and share our stories of the joys and challenges of motherhood. I want to talk about the tough stuff, the social taboos, the things we only whisper to our girlfriends over coffee, the things we mask when people ask, how's it going? And we mutter with a forced smile, great. I'm going for real, raw, honest, vulnerable. And my guest today so beautifully embodies these qualities. Livia Cohen Shapiro is a mama first and foremost, wife, lover of words, teacher, counselor, spiritual activist, and a forever student. Livia helps students and teachers of yoga grow their ranges of motion and emotion through steady asana practice, somatic education, and body-centered mentorship and counseling. She brings essential somatic psychology principles and tools to the lives, practice, and teaching of dedicated yoga students and instructors worldwide. As a clear seer, Livia facilitates deeply held space for psychotherapeutic healing and mentoring, into the places asana opens but needs more guidance. Her notoriously enthralling online programs are a call to action, educating teachers to build more nuanced psychological know-how in their classes. Known for her sincerity, directness, and humor, she often shares moving personal anecdotes that illuminate the spiritual path as deeply human and body-centric. Classes, workshops, and trainings leave students empowered, ignited, and pushed right up to the edges of their becoming. Livia holds a Master's of Somatic Counseling Psychology from Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. She has practiced and taught yoga for nearly two decades, and her dedication to understanding the human experience is lifelong. Her article, Yoga-Based Body Psychotherapy, is published in the International Journal of Body Psychotherapy. She is most at home in the cauldron of her own practices, be it asana, dance, or writing. But mothering and partnership continue to be the most rigorous and transformative practices of all. She resides in Boulder, Colorado with her husband, daughter, two aging cats, and a lot of books. And she drinks a hot chocolate every day. You can find her online at ecstaticunfoldment.com. And applied psychology for yogis.com. I'll put these links in the show notes for you so you can find her after this podcast. Okay, so let's dive into my interview with Livia Cohen Shapiro. Here we go. One of the things I love about you, Livia, is your unapologeticness, <laughs> just really being who you are out in the world and being expressed. And it's so inspiring and so refreshing to hear your voice shared. So I'm so happy that you're here with me today on the Mama Love Podcast, my first ever interview. Um, Yay! yay. Thank you so much. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Um, One of the things I really want to dive into with you today is this subject of mom shaming. Mm. You've written about this a lot. And I just want to hear your take, not only as a, a psychotherapist and, and yogini, but as a mom, how you have dealt with and handled any sort of projection or shaming coming at you and maybe help, help us help the listeners know how can we become a little more resilient when this happens to us, maybe Mm -hmm. less, less reactive and more resilient. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, well, that'll take the 45 minutes. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Um, You know, so. Well, I want to say thank you for using that word, like unapologetic. And that is something that I really have had to work on in my life is trying to be who I am without apologizing for it. And there's so many different like layers of to this or to that, or, you know, and, and really trying to face those interjects with dignity and and try to dismantle things and, understand myself and then to just not apologize for those things has been really a lifelong practice and has become really important now that I'm a mom. And I think it's like it almost just got like intensified in that process of pregnancy and birthing and postpartum. Like I don't really have time, energy or patience to live in another way anymore And so there's just something about that. And it ties into this question you're asking around the mom shaming. Um, Like for me, living with a sense of my own dignity has become really important because I'm sure you can relate to like, you know, being a mom is super unglamorous and Mm -hmm. really messy. And like you got puke in your hair and like bags under your eyes. And like, it's just so like wretched in many ways that I'm like, and it's like, and then it can be so beautiful and exquisite. And I think that's really the dignity in it. Um, and, and really watching like how we play out these archetypes. Like there's an archetype of like the frazzled mom. Mm-hmm. And, and I watch myself get into that archetype of the frazzled mom. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not really who I am. Or, you know, like um, perfect mom, right? There's the archetype of perfect mom or on time mom
0: or you know <laughs> it's like a set of barbie dolls that I will never be on time mom I will never be <laughs> um, frazzle mom creative mom
1: crafty mom like what the hell you know so I'm just like uh so trying to just be in like whatever momness in its dignified way you know and and so that has been really important to me and how that ties into the mom shame thing is like, so when I was pregnant with Olive, my daughter's name is, is Olive and she's almost, she'll be two on Monday. And um, so when I was pregnant with her living in Boulder, um, I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I was a magnet for unsolicited advice. Literally, I could not go a single day without getting any kind of unsolicited advice, whether it be out in the real world or through social media. I mean, every day I was getting unsolicited advice. Maybe not every day, but okay, every other day. And some of the unsolicited advice would come from family members because we were planning a home birth. hmm So there was a lot of thoughts and feelings and ideas about the home birth. We also got a lot of thoughts and feelings about who was allowed to attend the birth Um, because we live in Colorado. Our family does not live in Colorado. I had very strong feelings about being in a birth situation with my husband and midwife alone. I had a lot of feelings about what I wanted the postpartum time to look like, which wasn't always um, like what the, our families wanted to hear. So I was getting a lot of messages from my family system about my intentions from the beginning. And I literally had to just basically just put on the mute button after a while. Um, some of Sometimes like there was really... There were good nuggets of information in there. And sometimes it was noise, actually. And sometimes it was projections. And what I came to understand, and, and then, well, let me just say this too, like, but it, I was also getting it from all different angles of my world. So I went to Naropa. Um, I have a master's in counseling from Naropa. And you know, my program was very heavily oriented towards attachment theory and uh, there there is a shadow to the attachment theory lens, which is like it's all about the mom. Like the mom's either gonna crush it or kill it.
0: Mm-hmm. And like,
1: you know, we're either gonna like ruin the kid or make them awesome.
0: And how much and pressure does that place? There's a lot on of pressure. You. There was a lot of pressure and, and, and a lot of
1: like the new science around pre and perinatal psychology is like. No, is the mom stressed? Is the mom this? And so then I was like stressed about being stressed. Right? I was like, oh my God, (laughs) are my stress hormones stressing my baby out? (laughs) Oh no, I'm already so I already like was basically walking around feeling like ambivalent about being pregnant Hmm. already, and then like super freaked out. I'm trying to plan this home birth. I'm getting all these messages about like why or why, why or why not I should have a home birth? And then I'm like stressed about being stressed, and I'm like, you know, basically a wreck. And in my therapist's office, like freaking out, like I'm already failing at a mom because see, can't you see, I'm like sending all these bad hormones and messages to my baby. Mm -hmm. And I already felt like a failure. And so there was that whole piece. And in Boulder, it's really interesting. Like there's a very strong home birth kind of contingent in Boulder, but there's also a very, and and the majority is still very medical here. So I was getting a lot of messages around just from all these different angles about what was right, what was wrong. Am I, you know, don't get too stressed about being stressed, or you know, all these things, and so worried about like doing the pregnancy right and like sending the baby the right messages and like this whole thing. Um, And and then I was and then and then there was like the whole yoga thing. So I was getting a lot of messages about what was right or wrong to do in my yoga practice. Mm. And while and this might make me fairly unpopular with all my friends and family, but I was really hurt actually. Mm. Like my feelings were hurt by a lot, of, like I felt really hurt by a lot of people that I would consider friends and family and the way that they addressed my pregnancy. And I would come home some days super angry. I would come home some days feeling really sad. Um, I received unsolicited messages from fellow yoga teachers um, about what I should or shouldn't be doing in my yoga practice, giving me warning messages about what I should or shouldn't do in practice, like literally unsolicited. Hmm. And I do think that there is a real need for education. Like I think of so many of folks I know who are in the postnatal world and in the birth world, educating women about how to work with their bodies and how to prevent tearing and pregnancy and all these really important or, or in birth and all these really important, very, very important things. And there is a shadow to the sharing of information, which actually looks like shaming. Don't do this. Are you doing this? And, and so what I started, to, I used to call it the, um, I, 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 in my journal, I think I wrote that it was like the, the advice police or something. <laughs> and it's like the advice police takes over. Like they're so eager to tell you, to give you their advice and it's coming from a good place. The intention is good, but it's also coming equally from a place that is unresolved inside of them. And mm. I started realizing that a lot of the unsolicited advice with quotation marks I was getting was actually rooted in an unintegrated, unhealed place in them about their birth story. And so I started to just be like, oh, okay, this is actually not about me. And yeah. oh, okay, so that's coming from something in your story. I'm listening, but it's, this isn't about me. And I started getting really clear on like, this is more about you than it is about me. And I really value that you want to connect with me about pregnancy. But let's be clear about whose story we're telling here. And um, I just started to see that a lot of the places where there's mom shaming is actually around our own unresolved stuff. Hmm. And it's not, and, and that's not intended to be like tisk tisk to another mom either Because there's no place for us. This is why I'm excited for your podcast. Like, there's no place for us to tell our birth stories. There's no place for us to talk about, you know, our fears. There's no place to talk about being stressed about being stressed. Like, maybe it's happening in these very small pockets, Mm -hmm. but in the bigger scheme of things, there's really no place for moms to dialogue amongst any, with anyone really, about the ins and outs of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. So it's no wonder that stuff is unresolved because there's no place to resolve it. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of the mom shame di- writings that I've done have come from actually me needing to resolve something, which is that I felt really hurt by people that I really trusted. And, um, And I had to go through a process of realizing that it was actually about them and not me and that that's okay. And my deepest hope is that we can actually change the paradigm by just talking about it more. Like let's talk about your birth story. I got time. I got all the time in the world to talk about your birth story. That's fine. But don't tell me that I'm going to have the same one. So like that.
0: Yeah. And I really hear there was a, there was a distinct moment where you realized, one, this isn't about me, two, this is about what's ed resolved in them. And it changed the way you listened to the advice police. It changed the way you received oh. what was coming at you. So rather than being bombarded by all this judgment, it it really softened that for you. And you were able to, in a way, like hold them with compassion because Totally. They were because sh- I was
1: judging them, right? <laughs> I was shaming them, like, oh, why, you know? And I and I realized, whoa, this is so much bigger than us. Actually, mm-hmm. the context of this is just like actually pitting us against each other because advice giving is a very power over di- uh, like paradigm, right? For In order to give advice, one person has to have power, the other person is receiving it. And I don't like that model anymore. Now, if I needed advice and I requested it and opened myself and said, please come fill this cup, that's um, when the invitation is open, I think that's different than the unsolicited, basically penetration of mental something that's unrequested. Absolutely. And it's, really, it's a model that's, It's just uncool with me. It's way bigger than us. It's just like pitting women against women. It's a patriarchal, you know, diagram. I'm not into it anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's way bigger than. It's way bigger than that. I don't think women want to shame women. I think that we're pitted against each other,
0: Mm. even in the
1: birth circumstances.
0: I had an experience just a couple of days ago where I was bombarded with unsolicited advice by one of my midwives and I could just feel <laughs> my blood like rushing to my face and just feeling so angry and calling one of my best friends on the way home and going like, if this is my midwife of my birth, I'm going to kick her in the tooth, right? Like just feeling so frustrated because I didn't ask her she didn't ask me if I was already informed about whatever she was talking about. She just launched into this monologue at me about what I should choose. And, you know, so it's like, even in that dynamic, right? Your midwife is supposed to be your partner in a way. And I definitely felt talked at, talked down to, um, Mm -hmm. oppressed in some way by what she was sharing. And, um, so I want to talk, I want you to talk about for yourself and also for the people that you support in your private practice and even inside of the yoga context, how do we work with our emotions? Um, I know that you're, you're a, a body based practitioner, right? I'm, I'm a former dancer, so I think we can really connect on this level. Mm-hmm. How could we channel when we have that anger response, when we, when we feel oppressed by all of these opinions and these judgments that are coming at us, how can we work with those emotions so that we can transform them and use them for some higher good? So Mm -hmm. I just love to, to hear your take on what you did and also how you support other people to work with some, and especially anger and rage. I feel like There's something in our culture where it's like not okay for women to be angry, not okay to have rage. I don't think I ever experienced rage until I had several months of no sleep and then I just snapped. Right. And there was so much shame on the other side. It was like a millisecond of rage. And then like, I am a horrible, horrible human being. Right. So anything that you want to share that can help us work with those, those shadow emotions that maybe we've been stuffing down for decades that sure. bubble up inside of motherhood. Sure.
1: Well, um, I think that, yeah, there is a cultural like paradigm of, women should or shouldn't feel certain things, right? We shouldn't have, we shouldn't be angry or feel rage or, and if we do, then we're a bitch or we're, you know, there's this, we make the feminine wrath out to be this really gory thing. That's wrong or bad or shameful. And, um, in my experience, that kind of rage occurs when we are left with no choice. Hmm. Um, and when you're sleep deprived, you really do feel like you're left with no choice. So that's, I think one of the reasons why it comes out. Um, Mm -hmm. there's no buffer, um, anymore. And so, uh, So I do think that like the rage kind of comes when, when we're, when we feel choiceless. And I think that it's a a good thing to let it out. Um, If we keep turning it back in on, in on ourselves, nobody will, it's not healthy. Nobody will win um, or succeed or thrive in any way. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, from a kind of a wider perspective, you know, in my opinion, that the human body is really set up to experience and ground all the energies. Like we're wired to be able to handle anger. We're wired to be able to experience the feeling of oxytocin and love and we're wired to, um, experience grief and like, all of the emotions that we have are, um, are as unique as a snowflake. You know, we're set up that way. And the earth of our bodies, just like the earth is designed to receive the moisture from rain and snow, and it's designed to weather wind, and it's designed to um, turn the leaves that fall from the trees into mulch like we're designed to do the same thing with our emotions which are just weather patterns so the body is like the earth and the emotions are weather patterns and none of them are better or worse now can they get out of control and wreak havoc and devastate a relationship or a part of yourself sure and then we have to do like total damage control mm-hmm. um but so from that perspective i think the weather patterns are great um and useful, and we just learn to work with them. And what kind of buildings internally do we need to support the diff- those different patterns? Like, the first thing about working at an emotional level is to get out of this mindset of good or bad. They're all good, they're all like good with a capital G, like, they're all fine. None of them are bad or good, or just to get out of the balance, the positive and negative emotion game Mm -hmm. and i think when you're a mom and you watch your emergent toddler work with their emotions you start to really see like oh wow it's not good or bad it really is just energy Mm -hmm. like emotions really are just energy like this morning i mean all of us like as i was telling you like before we recorded like she just woke up one day and decided she was gonna scream because she's (laughs) two so she may as well just scream about everything like the noodles aren't Fast ready, <laughs> ready enough, fast enough, or you know she wants to do this instead of that, or you know so uh emotion like though just the way a toddler wants to feel like they have agency mm-hmm. as human beings, we want to feel like like we have agency, and we often don't have choice about our emotions, especially the big ones that come on really fast and strong, so it leaves us feeling like we have no agency and and it can be really helpful to start looking at the emotions as like their weather patterns. They're not good or bad. They're just, they're just energies that we have to learn to ride and to harness, just like you would harness wind power, harness solar, you got to harness the anger and harness grief and harness frustration to your advantage, to the, to the whole family system's advantage. So. um And because we have this weird dichotomy of cultural expectation between what the husband's allowed to do and what the wife's allowed to do, sometimes the mom slash wife partner in that role has to take on a lot of the emotional labor, which means we have to take on a lot of the emotional withstanding and experience. So the man gets to appear equanimous and Mm -hmm. mom gets to appear frazzled and like an emotional wreck. When actually, maybe the more stable person is the person that can cry and yell and get angry, like to go you know to pulse through these emotions very easily, like Olive can scream and then two minutes later be laughing that's the nature of being human is to be able to ride through these emotions so for me, first it's the mindset of like getting out of the valence of positive or negative with the emotions that's the most important um, and the beginning for me and coupled with the ability to stay present with sensation while you're feeling the emotion. Yeah. So one of the practices that I do is when I feel rage, I stay present with how rage is showing up in my, and I do, I am a mom who feels rage a lot. Like when Olive will not sleep, I do feel rage for shell. Like I literally, the <laughs> feeling that I would ne- and I'm saying this because I know other moms will understand And my husband hates when I say this, but like literally, I wanna like throttle hard. I feel so much rage. There's a reason why they're like, don't shake the baby, you know? (laughs) Right. I literally wanna like squeeze her and just like shake her. I just like feel so much rage. I just wanna like explode. And so obviously, I'm not gonna harm her in any way. But so one of the things, That I've had to just work with in myself when I feel that rage is like just somatically, like whether it's clenching my fists or, you know, just like, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, or even just acknowledging, like, I am feeling rage right now. I'm literally feeling rage right now. If I didn't have my, like, full brain with me and my love for you at the same time, I probably would create harm. Like, just acknowledging that there's mm. that much power because that's really what it is. is it's power. Rage mm. is just power. And the kid and the child is trying to match you with power. Like they're powerful. Yeah. So it's just like this power struggle. So I'm just like, okay, you know, just feeling this whole, whatever it is, the burning or the clenching or the, all of that, um, being really present with that feeling. And then it fades as quickly as it arises, then I feel the wave go back down again. Mm -hmm. Um, And often underneath of that rage, I have found somatically is a feeling of complete depletion. Like if I can ride and you can probably relate to this, like if I can stay present with the rage all the way through, like okay, I'm feeling it. It's bubbling up. I'm feeling hot. I'm feeling tense. Da, 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 like the whole thing. And I'm just tracking that inside. When I get to the bottom of the arc and I start to feel what's underneath of that is sadness, depletion, isolation. I feel like it's, the rage is comp, almost compensating for a, for a lack of support in some way.
0: I can definitely relate to that for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I don't remember if, if you were still in Baltimore at this time, but we hosted a guy named Tabor Shadburn for a social uh-huh. communication yeah, workshop. Yeah. And we, we did a lot of, you know, staying with the body. Okay. I'm <sighs> um, feeling hot. My armpits are sweating. I, I'm totally. noticing... I'm noticing my face is really, really hot and I'm starting to shake, right? So, so part of it is stay, really staying present in the body and noticing what's happening to you physically as you're going through whatever the emotion is. And then there's something to naming it, right? Go, I'm really feeling rage right now. I'm feeling a lot of rage, right? Just, just being able to say it in a way helps it move through rather exactly. than i i'm resisting this or you might not even be saying that but like trying to stuff it down and stuff it down and then there is just this explosion yeah. at some point so in in a way it's um and i have this with my partner it's like there are certain emotions that he's totally cool with and there are some that are that make him super uncomfortable right from sure. his own background and there are some that sure that I feel really uncomfortable with because of my background. So what do I allow myself to really feel? Can I really allow myself to feel the full range and not destroy myself or anyone else in the process?
1: Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us as moms are trying to protect our kids. Like we're trying to protect our children from who, from big bad mom, you know, (laughs) and like, obviously, we, yes, we want to protect our children and we want to protect them from the worst parts of ourselves, I think. Certainly. And, you know, I, but, but we don't want to, t- as, as a friend of mine just wrote this great piece and she was like, I don't want to do the work for my daughter. Mm. And by that she meant like, I don't want to take away this process of her coming to understand what's, first understand that for her and um and i think that you know children are very perceptive and it's important to teach them that it's possible to experience an intense emotion and that it changes also mm-hmm. and like in my house we've olive and i have come up with we just call her scary mommy and we <laughs> and like scary mommy came out of the closet there for a minute, (laughs) you know, and all of them say scary mommy, or she'll say scary mommy came out of the closet or scary mommy go back in the closet, (laughs) things like that. And, and yeah, I mean, sometimes I go to that really uh, crazed dark place and I don't, and on the one hand I want to protect her from, you know, the, the really harsh qualities of myself, but I also don't want them to be so taboo that she can't face the fullness that is her own mother. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something in my family system that I struggled with, like my mom being who she is in her amazing way. And this I guess what I I think what I'm trying to say is like I had a relationship with someone who also had very big emotions. My mm-hmm. mom has very big emotions and there wasn't a lot of overt training on how to be with that and so I got a lot of subtle messages around what that meant or didn't mean and and she didn't really have as many skills to ride them either. So we couldn't navigate it together as mother and daughter. And so Part of my personal work and then soul work in the lineage of my mom is the grandmother and now me is the mother and all of us, the daughter slash granddaughter, like part of that work for me is learning, like helping us ground big energy. That's mm. been my part of my soul's path my whole life is like being in a midst really big energy, whether it's in around me or within me and learning how to ground it. So that it doesn't become madness. So I think all moms feel like they're going crazy and I've had to really learn how to ground that kind of madness. And I want to instill that in Olive in a good way. I don't want her to be afraid of that or to think less of me because I have rage. And I don't think the way to prevent her from feeling less of me is by not showing her that. I just think it's about building a relationship to it. Um, because I also want her to be able to feel rage. Like, for example, um, hitting, right? Like all kids go through a, most kids go mm-hmm. through a phase of, of hitting. And with that, what I've said to her is, I at first I was like, we don't hit, you know? No hitting, we don't hit. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't want to teach her not to hit because there might be a chance, there might be an opportunity where she needs to hit. Like, that might be something that is, she's faced with. So now it's, we only hit in Mm self-defense. This is not an emergency. We don't need to hit in this, in this situation. We only hit in self-defense if we are in trouble. And she lives in a world where she might need to hit out of self-defense. So I'm not going to raise a daughter who thinks that she can't hit. Sorry. I'm going to raise a daughter who's going to smack your face if you're, Hmm. you know,
0: yeah, I really appreciate what you shared about the lineage. And I, yeah. I can relate. I mean, I don't yeah. know how many other moms can, but what you shared about your, your mom and you and your dynamic and not having all of the resources to fully navigate that together. And now you're finding a way now that you are a mom, mm-hmm. how, can, how can we, in a way, break this cycle and create something new for ourselves. And, um, yeah, I think I had many moments where I was absolutely terrified of my mother, you know, of, of her big emotions and tried to find a way to make myself smaller or not express or feel as much, um, in, in response, right. Because I didn't want it to escalate. So, inside of my mothering, I find that sometimes those big emotions come out in me. And then, you know, I, I witnessed Jacob's reaction. He's a little energetic barometer. I mean, he could, it's like he can walk into a room and if something's off in the room, he will fuss and cry. If everything is energetically cohesive in the room, he is happy as a clam. He's, he's like a, so I love that you brought up this metaphor of emotions like weather patterns, right? And then our children can be these little emotional barometers, like, "Whoa, oh, it's really windy in here! It's <laughs> it's storming! I've, I'm getting some hail! You know, I need to take cover." So, uh, in a way, it it does remove that shame for whatever we're feeling, and the good and the bad, and just having the feelings be neutral and Like we check our our app on our phone, like what's the weather going to be today? How do I need to dress for today? We can go inside and check our own internal weather app and go, okay, it's a little stormy in here today. How do I need to support this body to move through this this weather pattern?
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I think... and I love like you use the word resiliency. And I think that one of the ways we build resiliency is about being um, uh, like being able to ride these patterns and find places of repair where there might have been a rupture. And, um, you know, there's always like I don't think anyone gets out of mothering without making big and small mistakes. And, uh, and, and so if we can just continue to be in a relationship where we're repairing with our kids saying, I'm sorry, being honest. Um, and I don't mean repair as in compensate for like repair is not compensation. Repair is like honesty that reads understanding and then resiliency. Hmm. You know, it's not this like, Oh, I made you feel bad. Let me like buy you a toy or, or like over give to you in some way. It's like, let me hold my boundary and be honest with you. And let's find a place of connection. So that's what I mean by repair. And I think that's something that I, you know, want to instill um, in Olive really deeply. And, um, you know, my mom didn't have the same skill set that I've been working on developing. Like, I'm not mad at her. I feel like, gosh, I wish we had other skills earlier on. So, um. Some of the places where I had been looking for repair around emotional expression with her for many years really didn't come until Olive was born because mm. I just didn't get it. Yeah. So, so I what, a, what a I gift. You know, it's so triggering to be a mom. So and sometimes like Olive will trigger. One of the cool things that I've watched is like Olive will trigger an automatic response in me. And then I'm like, where the F did that come from, right? And then I watch her face. And then I'm like, it's like I see myself, right, mm. as her, you know, as a little kid. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then it, like, oh, it like makes sense. I'm like, oh, I just did the thing to you that my mom did to me or my dad did to me. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. So then what's really cool is in that really, like, kind of – um ripe, very vulnerable place to be able to then step in and make that repair of, oh, you felt shame there when I yelled at you because, you, because of the mess or, oh, like scary mommy came out of the closet. That, how was that? Was that big and scary or whatever? Mm-hmm. Not only am I repairing it for her, I'm repairing it for the me that, it, that was her or that yes. is her, right? So then it's like I'm doing the healing work back. And then I'm, so I'm healing this little part inside of me, a little two-year-old and freeing my mom up to be like the best grandma ever. So that's been really cool.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I've, I've seen that and felt that inside of some of these interactions with Jacob too. It's like just acknowledging, oh, that, that was scary. I'm so sorry. Mama was angry. I'm not angry at you. Sometimes I just say mama's so tired and, and I'm so sorry. I,
1: you know, wasn't compassionate
0: with you in that moment or whatever, you know, even though he can't say any words back to me, I know he feels that and I love the word repair. So I'm going to take that with me. Um, yeah, there's such an opportunity to, to heal the little one that lives inside of us and, and that interaction with our little ones. In the and one of the cousin. things I do
1: with all of two is I'll say, show me what it was like. Show me what it was like to see Scary Mommy. Or let's pretend we're Scary Mommy together. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, or, but what I a psychodrama. <laughs> Draw me a picture or show me with the stuffed animal, right? So um because children will, really can understand a lot but depending on where they are developmentally and what's going on the verb the verbage is different. So right. um so the show me with your body can be so cool. You know, show me how that felt or draw me a picture or you know, th- things that bring their body into it. Yeah. Then they're getting the training the like the the somatic training linked with the emotions from a really early age, which I don't think we probably really got.
0: Yeah. no, I love that. That is such a great tool. I'm definitely going to put that in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Livy, I, I know we need to complete for yeah. today. Um, thank you so much. It's so great to Thanks connect with you me. and sharing your wisdom. I want to have you on again. Cool. Yeah. And we can Anytime. we can jam on some other really hot, juicy topic anything awesome anything well yeah. um yeah you're an amazing mom and an amazing woman an amazing human and I'm so grateful to know you and and share your brilliance with the world mm.
1: thanks for having me and I just wish you such good luck in this endeavor I think we really can't have enough spaces for this um So
0: I think, yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Okay, wow. How amazing was that? I'm feeling so deeply held and gotten by this conversation. And since we're on the topic of mom shaming, I want to come clean about something. These first six interviews I recorded were done months ago. But late in my pregnancy and in the early weeks of postpartum healing and integrating a newborn into our family and the new toddler tantrums that my three and a half year old's having, I just didn't have the energy to get my shiz together to get this out to you. So I've been doing a little bit of judging myself for not having it together more and some comparing to quote unquote super moms who seem to... Handle everything with such incredible grace. So, mom shaming can come from external sources, like Levia was talking about, the advice police, and it can also come from within ourselves, neither of which are helpful or productive. So, I want to leave you with a call to action. Let's do our part to end mom shaming. We're all having unique experiences within our expression of family. And at the same time, we are all connected through this common thread of motherhood. So can we cease judgment and instead have compassion for others, knowing that while we may make different choices than they've made, that they are doing the best they can with the awareness and resources available to them in this moment? And can we have compassion for ourselves when we judge ourselves harshly for our choices and our reactions and our perceived not good enoughness, knowing that we are also doing the best we can with the awareness and resources available to us in each moment. So this is the invitation. This is the practice. A beautiful mentor of mine often says that curiosity is the cure for judgment. So let's get curious together, shall we? I want to thank you again for bringing yourself to this conversation and if this has resonated with you today please leave us a review on itunes and share this with a mama you know and love and until next time i'm sending you lots of mama love